Welcome to the LoFi Crypto Podcast, a podcast looking to explore what's happening in the Solana ecosystem and cryptocurrency at large. As always, none of this is financial advice, so do your own research and join the conversation. And with that, let's dive in. We have a very special episode today. Uh, Max, uh, I don't know if you knew this, but we have a guest on today's episode. Do you know who it I is? I mean, I see a third person here what up? while we're recording. Yes, this is the one and only Todd, a.k.a. T-Nuts. Uh, Todd is a close friend, and why he is on the show today is because he has, in my opinion, a better understanding and articulation of how a project like Radium works better than anybody else I know. And why I think that's worth sharing uh, is... Uh, it starts to get into some of the deeper ideas of why cryptocurrency is interesting in, in the sort of the big picture thought because it's doing really, really new ideas. So to the viewer, this is not going to be your 100 level course. This might be like a 200 level course. We'll do what we can to keep it pretty, pretty high level. And I think we should or make it accessible. But uh, we're aiming to get to sort of a deeper understanding. So we might, we might dip our toe in the deep end of the pool. Todd and I were first talking about Radium when it was first coming out and it was a a fraction of what it is today as a product in just six months. And kind of the, one of the main thoughts we had was, well, let's just revisit this in six months and see where it is, if the project's still interesting or promising. And it's kind of blown our minds in that six months. So we feel like it's a project worth talking about. Uh, it is definitely in the Solana family and uh, close to Serum, if you're familiar with that one. Uh, but uh, Todd, do you have a particular place you like to start this thought? Like, yeah, uh, I would just like, I know you guys, can you guys hear me? Yeah, you're good. Yeah, you're good. Okay, awesome. Uh, I think I could just start off where, where I kind of came into crypto because you guys say you want to mm. try to keep it base level. And to really be honest, I just started, I purchased my own crypto in January of this year with the help of my friend, Sean and Dave. And uh, the first crypto I bought was Solana. So I kind of, you know, learned all this stuff about Radium and Serum and Solana as someone who is just experiencing crypto for the first time. So when I first found Radium, you know, if you want to like go by the definition of it, you know, like the legal definition of Radium, I would probably try to say it's an automatic market maker that's built on the Solana blockchain that utilizes Project Serum by adding liquidity to its central limit order book. Now, you say that, right? And that's what, what the hell am I talking about, right? But well, we might as well start with the first word, which is, or the first term, automatic market maker, right? What is an automatic market maker in crypto and DeFi, right? And decentralized finance. Well, you know, an automatic market maker is this, you know, level of liquidity provided or tokens, two tokens provided that allows a person to exchange one token for another. So say you have Bitcoin and you want to change it into Ethereum. Well, you don't want to go through a centralized exchange like FTX because, you know, you're a crypto junkie and you don't do that. <laughs> so you go to an automatic market maker in the traditional sense, which would be uh, the first one is Uniswap, I guess. The first, you know, real automatic yeah. market maker. And what yeah. they have in Uniswap is a liquidity pool, which is where equal parts Bitcoin and equal parts Ethereum are in this liquidity pool. And they are equal parts in terms of value based off the U.S. dollar. So if someone has one Bitcoin and they want to exchange it into one Ethereum, 
they can use smart contracts built on Ethereum in order to execute this uh, decentralized exchange between Bitcoin and Ethereum. Well, what the liquidity pool or the automatic market maker does is they take a small cut of that exchange, a very, very small percentage. So, well, so from a from a user's perspective, just kind of to think very, very surface level here is so someone would put money in a liquidity pool. Yeah. And as uh, equal parts of two currencies yep. and kind of the incentive for that would be that they they have the potential to earn rewards. And the reason why that's valuable uh, from the system's perspective is because then when someone wants to go trade, there's a guaranteed person willing to sell to them. And that's kind of. In, in a new mar- market, uh, just just kind of the thought there, I wanted to like piggyback on that is in a new market, oftentimes finding a buyer and a seller is going to be a hard thing to do, whether that's just there literally aren't enough people or the the distance between someone wanting to buy and someone willing to sell is too great. So no sales are willing to happen. So the more buyers and sellers you have, typically the more uh, 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 liquidity is generated which is basically just like the amount of trade volume, which is how much money actually moves hands. And that's typically an indicator of uh, health or success in a market, but ultimately really is like um, one of the core mechanics to uh, making these new cryptocurrencies really take off. And so uh, going into the automatic market maker thought, so so Todd, you were were talking about Uniswap and kind of the basic mechanics there. Where's what's next? So what's next is kind of the limitations of the traditional, you know, Uniswap automatic market maker, because you need context to understand what Radium builds on top of, right? Mm-hmm. If I go talk, talk to a teenager today and I introduce them in an iPhone, they're going to say, why are you, you looking to give me an iPhone? But if I gave a teenager from 2014 or 2004 an iPhone, they'd be like, oh my God, what the hell is this, right? Right, right, right. So right now, if no one really knows, if, if our audience is kind of, you know, trying to figure out, you know, I'm not really familiar with what Uniswap is and what it does. If I talk about all these great features of Radium, you're not going to really like get that mind-blowing experience or you're not going to really be able to appreciate those types of improvements. Right. So, you know, one of the issues with, you know, having this liquidity pool is the fact that people have to know where to access your liquidity pool, right? In order to make that exchange and to swap between Ethereum and Bitcoin, they're going to have to go to your website and know that exists, right? There's that marketing aspect if they don't know that exists then how are they ever going to be able to exchange another limiting factor of these traditional liquidity pools is kind of the fact that uh they're really their own economy and the way they operate in order to find the current price between ethereum and bitcoin is they rely on something called an arbitrager who goes to a centralized market like ftx or binance and they see that they can get a better deal on Ethereum or Bitcoin or cheaper price based off of your liquidity pool. Mm-hmm. And then they take that cheaper price and they go to Binance or FTX and immediately sell it for a guaranteed profit. Mm-hmm. So they have to understand that your liquidity pool exists and then their motivation to use it is generally, you know, I can get this arbitrage this deal. against it. Basically. Yeah, an arbitrage yeah. against it. And so how this liquidity pool makes money is they're kind of like, you know, uh, the Venus flytrap kind of, they take a little bit at a time. They say, I'm just going to provide this liquidity constantly. And then even though, you know, there's this arbitrage happening where I'm going to lose money in the first transaction over 
a certain amount of time, I'm going to collect so many fees that that's not going to matter. And in the long run, I'm going to make money off the interest of all these fees collected. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the fees so, are generated per trade, right? Like yep, where they're, they're generated yeah. per trade per volume. So like, it doesn't matter the quantities of trades I make. It matters the amount that I trade. So mm -hmm. it'll take like 0.0025% of every trade. So mm -hmm. say you sit, you trade between volume to uh, Ethereum to Bitcoin, it's going to take just a little teeny bit of that Bitcoin that where the arbitrage is still going to be worth it. Right. 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 So that's so, why it was, sorry, you can go. No, you're good. You're keep, keep going with your thought. So that's kind of like the two, you know, limiting factors between from this old school uh, liquidity pool of Uniswap, which I call old school, was like, like 2018 or 2017. And the reason they really had to do that is because they're, they're based off Ethereum, right? And Ethereum can only get you 30 transactions per second. So you have mm -hmm. to have this kind of very rudimentary system of I got I can I got one asset with another asset. I can't really place any type of like limits on what I'm willing to pay for Ethereum to Bitcoin. I kind of just have to take what it is or wait until it changes to a price I'm willing to swap at in order to make that transaction. There's no real bargaining or negotiating ability there because mm -hmm. the transaction limit is so slow that you know it could take you eight minutes before you got your bitcoin or your ethereum or whatever coin you're trying to get out of and then you have right. to wait and hope that the market stayed stable enough at the price you thought the arbitrage was going to exist at mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so we got this slow ish the slow uh and then of course the gas fees are astronomical on ethereum right so it costs a lot of money so you have to kind of you know before you try to make this arbitrage or you try to utilize this liquidity pool you have to realize just making the trade itself could cost you, you know, fifty to a hundred dollars, right? Right, right. So, so why that's significant is all of a sudden, if fifty or a hundred dollars is half your portfolio, you know, your your barrier to entry gets much much higher, which means you know, you're not going to be you know exchanging or using this liquidity pool unless you're putting in ten thousand dollars or you well, know, an amount of money. Is it about the portfolio, or is it about the you're suddenly losing the profit you would have been making on the arbitrage? It's both. both. It's both. It's it's a for you to even the amount of time you'd have to commit to it would have to be based on the fee. So, you know what I mean? If you're if your fee is going to generate a dollar a day and it costs you one hundred dollars, that means you've got to be in the pool at least a hundred days to break even. Mm -hmm. um, but if you put in, you know, 10 times that, then maybe it's only going to take 10 days to make break even point. Um, so it's so a cost there as well as just friction. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so just to kind of more or less sum up like my understanding thus far of what we talked about is like something like Uniswap solve you know like is an automatic market maker. So it solves a the chicken and egg problem of like here's a new token like no one can buy it or sell it basically. Um, that's cool, but the the transaction speed is an issue for timing the market right to do effective arbitrage, and then also the fees are also a disincentivizing you from doing the arbitrage or at least the factor so the arbitrage like difference has to be enough to even make it worth your while or just even starting to do arbitrage is difficult because of the those fees is that like a that's good it. summary of the of the state of it and then to add one more aspect is people have to know uniswap exists right they have to know to go right. to the uniswap website in order right. to make this transaction happen right so radium is an automatic market maker. So it has these swap features, right? But it's built on the Solana blockchain rather than built on Ethereum like all these other automatic market makers have been built on. Okay. Well, 
the nice thing about the Solana blockchain is it utilizes this uh, technology called proof of history, which currently at today's date, it provides, it can provide 50,000 transactions per second, which if you compare that to Ethereum's of 30 transactions per second, that's like huge. It's an astronomical difference, right? Yeah. Yeah. And just for context, I mean, like when you see innovation in an industry that's 10x its competitor, that's considered, you know, groundbreaking. And this is uh, an innovation of a thousand X. And what's even better is that Solana's technology is designed to increase its capabilities of transactions per second based off of hardware. And as hardware advances, the transactions per second is going to advance as well. So like theoretically, what, Moore's Law, is that what it's called? Yeah. Every two yeah. years, it's going to double. Yep. It should, theoretically, or else what is that? Society's going to collapse or something. Is that the, <laughs> I mean, is that, that the idea? <laughs> like, I mean, is that why I'm like that freaking out? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. Moore's Law, that's a whole complicated topic in itself, but more or less the idea being that Solana is designed to scale to hardware. So, yep. so it's designed for the software to get out of the way. Yep. Of, of of throughput, so to speak, which is kind of the holy grail of code. I've never thought about it that way, but it's kind of a really interesting idea, which is like if your compute if your code can theoretically should run as fast as you can possibly get it, then just get out of the way of the limitations you have any control over. Um, you know. Uh so okay, so Solana Solana does fifty K per per second. It's got contracts, smart 30. contracts. Yep. It's got okay. smart contract capability, just like Ethereum. So mm -hmm. Radium's built on the Solana blockchain. So your gas fees are basically currently like 0. 0.000007 cents for every transaction you do compared to 50 to $100 on Ethereum. Yeah. Right. And right. then a transaction can, can be completed within under a quarter of a second. So right. and rather than eight minutes to 10 minutes. So if you're thinking about these differences between Ethereum and Solana based off this automatic market maker, right, you can make transactions for $5 or $4 and not have to worry about the gas fees because it would take you, you know, hundreds of transactions to even get to a penny. Right. So you can, you can make your portfolio very customizable utilizing this Radium automatic market maker. And then also with the speed that you have, you don't have to worry about this arbitrage really, you know, waiting that eight minutes and then the market totally shifts like it does in crypto. And then you, you know, you have right. no more arbitrage anymore and there's no more difference in mm -hmm. price and you actually lose money and you can't sell the crypto anymore. So right. you have these two kind of, you know, boosting qualities just by using the Solana blockchain. Well, Radium goes a step further because it also utilizes Project Serum. So, cool. so now we're going with this, with this Project Serum idea. And what basically what Project Serum is, is it's a decentralized exchange that can be like used Uniswap, by, like Uniswap, but it uses something called a central limit order book. So what people can do is that instead of having to utilize Uniswap at the current exchange rate that it's providing, you can say, I'm going to put in a bid price or I'm going to put in a sell price. And if it never hits, if no one wants to buy or sell at that price, it'll never ex be exchanged. And I can keep it on there for a year. I can keep it on there for two weeks until someone hits my quota, what I want to sell it for or buy it for, and you can just let it sit there. Mm -hmm. So that's mm -hmm. a, that's kind of a big deal because in Ethereum, you, it would cost you 50 bucks if you utilized the Ethereum smart contracts just to put a buy order up or a sell order up. Right. But with Solana, it costs you, you know, one one thousandth of a penny. So it's super cheap to do these types of transactions. 
Well, right. the cool thing about oh, Project so Serum, is that right. is that why swaps were the the first thing to really like take yeah. off on Ethereum yeah. is because speed and gas. It just speed and gas, and and just like having an order just sitting on a market, it just didn't didn't really make sense. Yeah, you, yeah. It'd cost you fifty dollars to put an order up on the market utilizing smart contracts, and then it would take eight minutes before that order even showed up. So yeah, and then if you want so to cancel that order, it's like. Yeah, because it, it's the opposite of, you know, like all the exchanges that we started using, you know, whether it's Binance or, you know, uh, even Coinbase Pro or whatever, like that, it, it was very confusing to me as to why the centralized exchanges were all just kind of like normal markets. Um, and then you would go to like a Uniswap and there's only a, 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 a swap mechanic. It was just very confusing to me. I'm like, why is a swap thing like the mm -hmm. really the only thing that really is popular um, because it's, the, it was built the off the limitations. World. Yeah, it was built right. off the That's limitations of Ethereum. So a super cool <laughs> thing about Serum is that it's, they got this website called was the ProjectSerum.com, I think. And basically think so. think all, of right. their, all of their uh, code, you can just basically copy and paste. And then you could host your own GUI. And then you could just directly access the Project Serum Central Limit Order Book off of your website. So instead of just having one website, like, you know, in Uniswap, you have to go to Uniswap to use the central limit order. I mean, to use their uh, liquidity their, pool. Yeah. With Serum, you could be on a thousand other websites and be accessing Serum's central limit order book and interacting directly with it, but not even know it. Right. Recognizing you could be at any of those and you're all looking at the same, the same order book, right? Yeah. Is that yeah. A, a, yeah. Right. So there's people who are interacting with an order book who they think is like, okay, man, there's a lot of action going on this order book. This is crazy. Well, really, they're interacting with the 1,000 other GUIs that are being hosted by different uh, you know, hosts, and they're all interacting with that same central limit order book that's provided by Project Serum. Right. So so uh, we're not even at liquidity. That. We're, yeah, we're just even looking at just Project Serum and and how how much the the clob I guess is what they call it the central limit order book the clob uh, really changes what's possible in terms of trading in 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 crypto also yeah. particularly uh, and I guess this is the direction you're going and I'll start the transition for you is uh, you can if if you can build a GUI on top of it then you can basically build any cryptocurrency on top of Serum and it can look and function any number of ways while still utilizing the technology underneath. So then the next question is like, what do you build on top of it? Right? Yeah. yeah. So, and then you can, with Serum, what the super cool thing is just like right before I go into yeah. that, you can add your own uh, exchange on Serum. Anybody can add their own exchange. They can mint their own coin and create their own exchange for US dollar, USDC or Bitcoin or Ethereum, wrap Bitcoin, Ethereum, any other coin they want to make an exchange for, they can do it on their own and then put it straight up on uh, Project Serum, and then all they need is a GUI to host it. Mm -hmm. So some GUI has to make that uh, exchange presentable. So it looks like you can actually access it and make those types of exchanges. Right, so if because I to make that's a pretty big deal because at the end of the day, really, when you're looking at Project Serum and you're looking at an order book, all that is is actually the GUI. The, the Project Serum itself is just all of the information it is a network protocol it is something that is interfaced with there is no central governing body to it it is literally just a network protocol 
Um, which and I, that's which what, I love. Yeah, it's it's extremely fascinating. People talk to me all the time. They say, why do you want to use DeFi? Why do you want to use DeFi? FTX and Binance, they're just as fast. They're way faster. I don't know, understand. It's like, well, they tell me what coins I can buy and what coins I can sell. And they have, you know, this limit of the projects that they're just going to offer. So they're just showing you what you can, what they want you to see. But if you right. use something like Project Serum, you can, you know, support and create your own community and your own projects and have, you know, your own little, you know, or huge or gigantic uh, movement that you want to do and whatever you want to support. Like there's this one project called Solanodons because it's some animal that is going extinct or is endangered species that's only in Cuba. And I think they only chose this because it had soul as the start of the animal's name, the Solanodon. <laughs> and you know, I don't, I think it's like a dead project now because anyone can start a project. You know, we can make a project right now called light switch and see if it just, you know, and never do anything with it. Right. Right. But so it's just an interesting concept that you're not really limited by all that red tape of trying to network with the right people and find, you know, the exchange right. that'll host your coin, your token and your project and to support it and get it off the ground. You can, you know, you can start this really off just by, you know, with the community that you have on discord. Right. Right. So it, that's yeah, a really cool scale, aspect. It, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. A project theorem. So now that we know what project theorem is, now that we know the Solana blockchain, now that we know what automatic market makers are, now that we know, you know, what the central limit order book is, now we can get to radium and what Ooh. radium is and what it does. If we want to, we'll go back to the original sentence I had, right? Radium yeah. is an automatic market maker that's built on the Solana blockchain utilizing project theorem by adding liquidity to its central limit order book, right? Cool. So it adds liquidity to these central limit order books that are hosted on Serum. So how does it do that, right? Well, traditionally, uh, the old liquidity pools would take that little fee based off the volume. Mm -hmm. Well, what Project, what Radium does is they make a buy or sell offer that is just a tad bit up or just a tad bit lower than the market price. And that difference between market price and what's Radium's willing to buy or sell is that trade fee now. Mm. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? So the market so price would be a dollar. It's almost, yeah, so it's almost um, forced arbitrage almost. It's uh, yeah, they, they will not, they will, their selling point will be like, say it's like something selling for a dollar and mm. they will only sell that coin for a dollar and five cents and then that five cents would go back into the liquidity providers liquidity pool on that exchange mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right so effectively they're adding they're taking the liquidity of the pool yep. and and adding it as a series of orders of buy and sell orders on the the order book is that yep. a way of describing it yep so here's something that's super cool about that compared to the old liquidity pools right Mm -hmm. You could be on one of those 1,000 GUIs, and you could say, I'm, I want to get rid of this Ethereum, and I'm going to just take that price. That's the next one. You'll be on that one GUI that you know about, and you'll be unwittingly trading with Radium. You don't know you're trading with Radium. You're not at their website. You're at someone else's GUI, and you're, you've never even, you'll never even know you traded with Radium, right? But mm -hmm. Radium's traded with you, and they collect that money. They collect that trading fee. They call it a trade rebate. So it's a kind of a cool way of reaching out without having to have, you know, that name presence everywhere, you know, in order to get a cut of that trade. Right. So how, so effectively then what they're doing is, okay, cool. So, so say, 
um, uh, we're trying to trade. Uh, uh, I'm going to ignore the the Solana network for this for just for the safe, sake of the example. Say we have Bitcoin and Ethereum. How would Radium in that example uh, work in towards the Bitcoin and Ethereum being traded? Give me like the, the literal there. Okay. So they would go on that exchange of mm-hmm. Bitcoin and Ethereum. Yeah, right. As on and- top of the Radium or any any decks that's built on top of radium serum. or serum, right? Serum. Yeah, they have to be on, built be built on serum, right? And then the market price currently would be I'm just making something up. One ETH would equal, or I mean, one Bitcoin would equal ten ETH. Let's say that, cool. right? Cool. Well, then they would put a bunch of buy orders for ETH for uh, you know buy orders for Bitcoin for eleven ETH. Right. And then someone would take that exchange because they wanted to make that exchange so bad that they're willing to use it. Well, they right. would take they would make that exchange happen and then they would take that extra one ETH that they made as profit based off the market conditions mm-hmm. and they would put that ETH back into the liquidity pool providers. Mm. Right. And pay it back to and that back would to be people. radium. Yeah, that would radium be radium paying itself or paying right. out back the you know the liquidity providers providers on the radium protocol. So right. the rating providers would get that one ETH as profit. Right. And why that's a big deal is then because maybe in you know, the Bitcoin Ethereum scenario, it's maybe not, not a problem, but you know, maybe it's two tokens and uh, you want to buy it, but there's no buyers. And, and the reality is, is actually in this scenario too, maybe there's not any buyers, but the liquidity is generating a bunch of possible orders that you can be on the trade. You can basically shake the hand. And yep. then uh, buy as much as you need uh, as as there is availability in the order book. And what's interesting about that is because then that sort of scales with price. It adds a dynamic to the uh, the arbitrages built into the market maker, uh, opposed to being sort of like on the losing end of the arbitrage, kind of like in the old pools. Is that kind of the general sense there? Yeah, and it's, it's not baking its own... the arbitrage in and. And think about it like this too. It's not its own isolated economy, right? It's not right. relying on those arbitragers whatsoever. It is actually, you know, it can climb with the market in that central limit order book. So right. let's say people, you know, people are just buying the crap out of Ethereum with their Bitcoin. Well, Radium would recognize that and then they start taking away their sell orders and they start mm. increasing the price rather than just taking that loss, you right. know, automatically, they'll ride the market up. So they'll, right. They'll, so when they go ahead, no, they'll take their sell orders off, and then they'll adjust it and add that extra price to see who wants to, uh, who's willing to lose that much more money to make that trade and ride the wave of the, you know, going up or down on the uh, price index. So That's it's right. kind of it's an interesting con. It's an interesting component. They're not like you know they're, they're they can make more money. Right. So, and they, so what's they trade. Sorry, sorry, Sean, you can go. No, you're good. <laughs> uh, so, what's interesting there, though, is is sort of then if you think about that, we started with with Solana, we went to Project Serum, and then we went to Radium, recognizing that all three of those like work together, meaning they offer uh, value or they create value uh, for the other two tokens. Each token creates value for the other two. And so this is kind of the big thing I wanted to, and why I wanted you to talk about it, Todd, is you understood this deeply enough, I think, to make this point and to get to the, this part of this, which to me is the, if there's a re, if you're we're wondering why we're the stories we're telling, this is, the, this is the reason why, uh, 
it these things synergize. They they provide value in in a cycle in a feedback loop um, that uh, generates value and stability and uh, a whole bunch of market forces that I don't think we've seen elsewhere before. Oh, Is that Sean, right? You remember and you remember when. We- uh, okay, Radium launched February 21st yeah. of this year. I got into DeFi. You showed me uh, Project Serum, I guess. Like two weeks prior, end, probably. Yeah, the, the end of <laughs> January. And we went on that exchange, and man, it was dead. There was not that many buys. There was not that many sells. And some yeah. people were trying to do algorithmic trading, and they were getting burned because the last buy offer, the last sell offer was just something ridiculously out of price. It was completely non-existent in the actual market. And then I did not recognize Radium existed until like you found Radium maybe like a week after it launched, maybe five days after it launched. And I was like, man, there's a lot of people trading on Serum now. There's a lot of action going on after February 21st. I was like, this is way more than it was like two weeks ago. I was thinking to myself, I was like, Serum's really catching on, man. Everyone's using this now. Right. This is really fast. But really, it was Project Radium, and they're called Radium because – they radiate liquidity throughout the Project uh, Serum Central Limit Order Book. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. I didn't know That's that. That's what they do. That's why they, they call it uh, that name. So it, I have a ahead. question here, yeah. just as like a quick pause. And sorry, I'm going to do this periodically as we're going through this discussion here. So is it, this model uh, that Radium has, it looks like they're more or less pioneering here in the DeFi space. Um you know how they take fees is there a is there a risk or is there a potential downside to i guess how they've built this you know like you said they they rise with the market um is there anything you see here that like the way this is designed is is more high risk like i'm just i'm just wondering because it's such an innovation in one regards but it's also like why hasn't anyone else done this before so you think about why hasn't anyone else done this before Project Serum has not been around that long, right? So no one's really been able to utilize this central limit order book, this idea of that. So it's like we're just – it's such a new space. And actually I'll tell you how Radium trades is they actually put their – place their spreads, their differences between – they'll do 20 buys in one exchange and 20 sells. And they'll spread the price difference between all their buys and all their sells based off the Fibonacci sequence. And if you actually Google like Fibonacci sequence with trading, like for some reason, that is like the magic algorithm, man. Like nature uses it. Our minds use it. Traders use it. It's just like everybody, for some reason, we are just like programmed to be based off the Fibonacci sequence. So if you like Google and YouTube, like trading with Fibonacci sequences, people do it. Yeah, that's it's a, so wild. I had yeah. no idea about that. Yeah. So like the real, the real, uh, risk i saw when i was assessing radium throughout this what six month period is competitors you know maybe a competitor steps in and has a better algorithm and another like issue with radium people have is they're not open source right now they said they're getting audited still and you know they haven't released their you know any of their code and they're anonymous so people are kind of like eh, what's going on here uh but is that so, a concern that you personally have like where do you land when i first that? started i did but radium man they are a team that you know they really truly believe that uh a rising tide raises all ships and like they're an automatic market maker they want to build this ecosystem 
they want all of these different coins to be super successful. And if you think about it, it's a mutually beneficial relationship. The more these coins are worth, the more trade fees they bring in based off the US dollar. Mm -hmm. You know, if Solana's worth one dollar and you make a giant trade for five thousand Solana, you're gonna get what, like thirty cents? But if Solana's worth $163 and you make 5,000 Solana trades, you're going to get, you know, a hundred something bucks worth of trade fees. Right. Mm. Right. So, so it's an interesting yeah. dynamic. Yeah. Do you, is there, so one of the ideas of um, the, one of the concerns in the traditional old, old way of doing liquidity pools is impermanence loss is impermanence loss relevant in the radium model or is it yep, different because radium still offers the swap feature right so if you go to radium you can utilize the swap feature which will bypass you know yeah. having to utilize a you know putting in a buy or a sell bid so mm -hmm. they still utilize the same algorithm it's called like the constant product algorithm i think it's yeah. like so they still use that same algorithm. It's supposed to be able to provide "quote unquote" infinite liquidity to the uh, to the uh, to the exchange. Mm -hmm. So uh, you still can you explain are... impermanence loss real quick? Just I, I'm sure there's plenty of people that have never heard the term before. Yeah. So the really basic concept of impermanent loss is when I was talking about automatic market makers before, I said the pool, the liquidity pool, has two tokens in it, and they they have equal amounts in value so it's not 10 bitcoin 10 ethereum it's ten dollars worth of bitcoin and ten dollars worth of ethereum so mm -hmm. if bitcoin goes up 50 percent and ethereum goes down 500 percent then the amount of coins you're going to have is going to fluctuate you're going to get more of ethereum because that's the value uh that's the coin of lesser value and you're going to get less bitcoin so mm -hmm. one coin had a bull market run and one coin went down. You got less of the bull market run coin than you originally had before you went into the liquidity pool. And you got mm -hmm. more of the bear market coin, which would be Ethereum, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the risk of impermanent losses. If you got out of the liquidity pool at that moment in time, then you would have way more Ethereum, the worst performing coin, and you'd have way less of the better performing coin. But they call it impermanent loss because you only realize that loss when you take your liquidity outside of the liquidity pool. Mm -hmm. Once you pull your assets out, that's when you realize that loss. Yeah. So, so let's say you get in and Bitcoin's 10 and Ethereum's 10. And then Ethereum goes down to 1 and Bitcoin goes to 50,000. But you stay in the liquidity pool. And then Ethereum rallies back and it comes up to 50,000 and Bitcoin's worth 50,000. And then you take out, well, you just experienced no impermanent loss because the ratio between the two coins of price value is the same as when you came in. Right. So, so just kind of on a high level on that thought, the, a really simple way of thinking about it is if you think two assets are going to move in similar directions, it's typically a good idea um, or, or, imperm or uh, sorry, Liquidity pools make sense in that regard. If you think these two currencies are divergent from each other, meaning one is likely to go up when one is like to, likely to go down, uh, or it's a period of time when you think that's going to happen, that's typically when impermanence loss occurs. So, so finding assets that work and correlate together is sort of one of the core um, ideas, I would say, or tenets to thinking about liquidity pools, because um, that's how you remove the biggest risk which is the impermanence loss um, risk of liquidity pools. Yeah. 
So if you think about like radium, like if I just told you what it did, like it just trains, it trades on this central limit order book and it takes a little trade rebate and uh, a bunch of people can access radium without even realizing it. You kind of wouldn't have been able to appreciate that if you just looked at what was available nine months ago. Right. So like when I talk about like, you know, these old automatic market makers like Uniswap's still in the game, you know, they're still the biggest one, right? They're the biggest market maker. They're killing it. And this is the model they're using. And it's just, I think personally, it's a little antiquated compared to what radium can do in the Solana blockchain. Right. And you're seeing um, trade volume. You've been following this closer uh, than I have. Yeah. We're talking about trade volume. So over where the last are we at right months. now? We're like, yeah. what, 12 billion total trade volume? I don't know. So, you have to yeah give this full thought because I don't know the numbers look. well enough to. Uh, well, let me look at this. It says it on radium's website. Their, their uh, intro. For some reason, it's taken a little. They, they released a coin for that Star Atlas game two uh-huh. coins yeah. and people are eating it up. They are going crazy with it. So really? the total trade volume hmm. for radium at this moment in time is $12.1 billion. Wow. So about a month ago, to give you an idea, they start February 21st, right? I've been just, I've been paying attention to this pretty, so it's pretty about constantly. six or seven months, six, six to seven months after that for sake. But of- here's the, here, and here's how you know how it's going yeah. crazy, right? Like a month ago, maybe a month and a half ago, the total trade volume for radium was 5 billion. So wow. it's like in a month and a half, it got like $7 billion worth of trade volume. It is just picking up momentum right now. And what it's doing is they have options like permissionless pools. So if you mint your own token and you want people to be able to trade your token for another asset, you can utilize Radium and make your own pool. Mm. And people have been utilizing that. A lot of other projects who are getting off the ground, who are being successful right now, like uh, Lick liquidity protocol they're using that as a method to uh launch their token out and get people to be able to buy it right and sell it right so so that's for the pretty high level part of of radium so so but all these things work together meaning like when something happens on solana that has potential value for serum and radium and vice versa can you walk a little bit through that todd of how that how those yeah. feed back into each other yeah. So Solana is like Solana is like the laws of physics. Serum's like the ocean and then radium's like the boat, right? That's oh, how wow. I kind of like that's kind of I how like I that. view it. If I'm, you just I'm view really it, into that. <laughs> if you just view it from like a super 10,000 foot like view, right? Yeah. You look at the Solana blockchain, it's got super fast, it's uh super cheap to use, and then you got Serum which allows people to create their own projects and then allow people just to, to provide liquidity. They can airdrop a bunch of coins to anybody, and then they can just create a market where you can sell those coins for USDC or whatever you want. And you can utilize Serum to do that. And then you can create your own little liquidity pool with Radium. So what happens is Solana gets a transaction fee that 0.0007 for every smart contract that's entered into and every smart contract that's executed, right? Mm-hmm. So they make a little cut every time a validator executes a, uh, a smart contract or a transaction. Project Serum, they kind of operate in the same way that uh, Radium does. They take a percentage of the volume of all the, of trade. Mm-hmm. So they take a little percentage and then they have their own token called the Serum token. And what they do is they'll take every trade, all the accumulation of all the trade volume that's traded on the central limit order book of Project Serum, and they'll buy that token back from the market and then they'll burn it and they'll just take it out of circulation forever. 
Mm. And what's so, the what's the value of that mechanic? Why 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 do that? Uh, it gives serum token holders a reward for holding the serum token and supporting the ecosystem. Right, so because the supply is going down, just like really. The supply is going down, yeah. and yeah. and uh, the demand's going up. Right, because the more people utilize the serum protocol or the project serum, the more trade volume that's accumulated, and then those fees are being used to increase the demand of purchasing that token. Right, which is where radium comes into play, which is like super interesting, because now radium is that automatic market maker that's feeding off of serums need to buy its own token back on the exchange so oh, serum whoa. needs someone to buy or needs someone to sell them serum tokens based off the fees they collect from their exchange so radium says all right you need someone to buy from i'll create an automatic market maker called you know uh serum usdc and then project serum will probably collect a bunch of take all their fees and turn it into usdc and then they'll try to buy all their serum back and they'll be buying that serum from radium so then radium collects a fee <laughs> from serums need its mechanic of the buy and burn so it Whoa. gets like it gets like yeah it gets a, a little bit of a mind fuck in there because like there's a lot of shit going on dude like <laughs> it starts to compound on itself yeah yeah which is, which is like really smart and really cool but like every time anything is explained to me and it approaches perpetual motion i always get very concerned and i'm like whoa wait a minute uh potential red flag here well well it's not, it, it's it, not am that i it's, just naive here on how this is is structured like it's that there, i guess there is burning that's occurring and so it's still a marketplace um, it's a synergistic everything there so like people always i think when i first got into crypto i was always thinking like which project's going to do better than the other project i thought every project was in competition with each other for some type of market cap right that's how you kind mm -hmm. of generally start thinking of crypto. You think like stocks, like if I buy GE, I'm going to buy McDonald's and are they going to be competing with each other? Well, right. when you look at these projects, it's almost like they're in this ecosystem and they're like, they're cooperating with each other. So they're all successful rather than mm -hmm. competing with each other. So that's kind of how I look. I don't look at it as perpetual motion. I look at it as, you know, this is a true ecosystem where people where one project's dependent or not necessarily dependent, but enhanced by the other project. And they're just helping each other out and they're giving each so other, it's, you know, it's more of, it's a, it's not yeah, like you're creating really infinite profit. The, the way you explain that is really helpful. Yeah. Right. And so it's more of a marketplace with a cooperative game theory taking place, which yeah. is maybe something we've never really seen before. And so that's why everything looks a little funky. Right, right, and everything is kind of pushing, pushing the engine forward, um, because there's both an incentive for it coming in of a trade and also going out for like fees and interoper interoperability and stuff between the three. Yeah, and and just kind of like very very literally the whole idea of like perpetual motion machine. Like, uh, what it really means in finance is like okay, it, it's a fee being generated on top of a fee and being generated on top of a fee. So you're looking at like a percentage point of a percentage point of a percentage point. So um, it echoes and that's kind of what the fascinating idea is. But ultimately at the end of the day, it's kind of no different than the idea of like compounding interest being, is it compounding daily, weekly, monthly, or continuously? Recognizing that con compounding continuously isn't a perpetual motion machine, but it maxes out at a rate that more or less you cannot exceed growth 
by? Is that a right way of putting that, Todd? Like, uh, I'm not sure. Well, okay, let me rephrase that then. So, so, um, like, like continuous uh, uh, interest is it ends up being a, a number, which is it's e, right? Yeah, like just yeah. the math number e. e. Yeah. yeah, which is interesting because that's like a weird mathematical constant or whatever. But the idea ultimately really being is, you know, maybe your investment, if it's compounded monthly, is you get a $5 return, where if it's compounded continuously, you get a $7.50 return. So it just adds a little bit on top and it just kind yeah. of adds that much more of a positive flow of value through the system. Don't think um, perpetual motion, think yeah. efficiency enhancement. You know, yeah, think about well, that's that I get that, and that's yeah. how everyone phrases it. But then you, there's another component, um, that's a little bit confusing, which is you know, a lot of people see in crypto generally like the the yield percentages for some of these crypto coins are over a hundred percent, and so you know, it's like it, it's just like a lot of little things that are like, wait a minute, how does this work that like stack on top of each other that I think really gives a lot of DeFi this kind of like shady look to it because it's enough little things that are a little too cute and neat and perfect how they are like set up and arranged that I think a lot of people are wondering if is is this a house of cards that is just like really, really well built, but the foundation is completely a scam and flawed. So and here's so what I'm when thinking. does this all come down? And here's my theory about this, right? Radium is releasing all their tokens in a three-year period. They are trying to get ownership of Radium just kind of like established by the people, the early investors and the people who are willing to purchase Radium and utilize these you know, yield farming techniques. I see what their idea is, is all Radium, Serum, and Solana, they're just, you know, this basic factor of this basic formation, this basic engine of projects to be built on top of this. Projects, other projects are going to utilize these functions in order to create their own markets. And we're, right now, where we're, we're seeing with Solana is, you know, we had all these limitations before with Ethereum and Bitcoin that we don't have anymore. And we can all these different coins can be built on top of each other and interact interact with each other in ways we never even thought of. And you know, Project Serum encourages people to just copy and paste, you know, their code and use it as their own code, right? So I just think what how I see it is the soul serum and radium is kind of used not as, you know, this perpetual motion machine, but as a means of letting other projects develop in an ecosystem to really build. Right. So, you know, think about it like this, because right. there's, there's always been loans, right? Crypto loans, you can still utilize crypto loans, but now there's on-chain crypto loans protocols that build on the Solana blockchain with Project Serum. And they can utilize, you know, they can loan people, they can loan to random crypto wallets, and then they can get liquidated. That's being built on Project Serum. And then there's other projects that are not even related to uh, finance, like media. Media is just this decentralized streaming network that allows you to, you know, be uh, uncensored as you stream your your uh, material. Mm -hmm. That's a coin that's being built, traded on Project Serum and utilized by Ray and um, uh, being traded with Radium to make that market. So if this is just kind of like you don't want to think of this as, you know, the end game as like the last cryptocurrency. This is just helping build other projects. So I kind of look at it. Yeah, the amount of projects that have launched on Radium over the last six months have been pretty impressive. Um, 
I wouldn't say they've all been great projects. Some of them have been duds, in my opinion. Some of them have been kind of interesting. But just the idea of, you know, two years ago, I would find out about a new interesting cryptocurrency project probably every month. You know, the amount of ones like actually launching and me being able to interact with something was every couple of months. And now with like something like Radium, you're seeing these projects launch on a, on a daily or weekly basis. And we haven't even talked about NFTs in context to this thought. So um, it's wild to see how much of these projects are launching. And also then thus important, how, how important having launch features and launch uh, guidance and protocols and functionality that helps these projects really just kind of like uh, get off the ground, how, how important that is for projects to launch. So it's really interesting to see because there's there's like the liquidity side of Radium, but there's also like the community development side of Radium, which is, you know, the five or six um, products that you actually have when you interact with their website and the different functionality that provides you and what projects have been built or sort of like uh, launched with it. It's, uh, it's cool to see, um, you know, I, a lot of my perspective on crypto and investing is just like, uh, play the field in a lot of ways, like, or maybe, maybe even more less about investing and more of just thinking and evaluating, which is like, I evaluate the success of a space based on the amount of developers and active and projects there are right now. And to see that number just kind of rapidly and rapidly increase and the barrier to entry to do that de decrease, it just tells me that whether it's one token or another on Solana, uh, that's going to be the big token, I think is largely besides the point if you were just participating in, in kind of these three Solana radium and serum, you kind of get the benefit of the entire network. Um, and that's kind of an interesting way to think about an investment. Um, cause it's less of a solo, you know, YOLO sort of play. So do you, do both of you see like radium being like the DeFi, uh, I guess marketplace and or token for on the Solana blockchain. Like there's not really going to be much of a competitor. They're already a Goliath. Mm, I always think there's room for competition. I think there definitely will be competition. But like I, what would just someone so build? You know what I mean? Like I what I'm trying to wrap my head around is like, you know, you know, to the point you were making before, Sean, like you, you really only have innovation or you really only trigger a, a migration to new technology when you can provide something that's 10x better. Right. So like how, how is like, what, like, I guess, you know, of course there'll be something that I don't know about in the future, right? right. but it's just hard to imagine. Like, how do you do well, radium 10x let's better? Let's just say, yeah. well, let's just say that, you know, the spread, someone found an algorithm that can use a spread that goes two cents cheaper for every, you know, off the market, they're going to get every trade rather than radium. And they're going to cut in if they get a more efficient code. Right. Mm. So, right. so yeah, how, how your, how your liquidity spread is designed is an entirely new area of product design that no one's really thinking about yet. Like we don't have a hundred years of design history of knowing how to do this or what's the best model or what factors are at play or what you can even is possible. So it's a little bit of an unknown, unknown, unknown in my opinion, but I think at least that's one corner where I think very obviously we're going to see kind of what Todd was saying earlier is competition is like, who knows what's possible with this idea. They're just the first people to do it. Yeah. Yeah.
It is interesting seeing like Orca and Mango take different approaches from like a UI standpoint, you know, Orca going more like user-friendly in its approach and its design and uh, Mango, um, at least in my experience, is is a little more sophisticated in terms of like you can really um, graph things out in a more sophisticated way. Um, so, yeah. well, that's, that's kind of interesting to me because looking at both of those, and if you guys have a thought here, please chime in. As far as I can tell, Mango and Orca are like minuscule compared to Radium. Like, right? In terms of trade volume, in terms of actual like market cap. That's my understanding is the trade volume is is dramatically lower. Is a big gap uh, yeah. between Radium and, and the rest. Even yeah, though, I, you know, there's still good usage, I think. Well, just, just really the point, only point I'm making there is it recognizes how much the space is still going to be influenced by pure technology. Like... Like you can have a better user experience, but if you cannot provide the product that someone else has, they may grow larger than you. What do you? Um, so in this case, what's the product? The product is the the on chain or, or or the order book liquidity product um, that produces a usage of the radium product that Orca or Mango don't have an incentive for. Um, that Interesting. I, yeah, I don't know how they're designed, so as I actually assumed they they did have that. Well, more or less, if correct me if I'm wrong, Todd, like what Radium's doing, no one else is doing. No one's done anything like it yet. I, I, I don't think so. I haven't found another project that's using algorithmic trading spreads on the Fibonacci sequence to post buy and sell orders with their liquidity on a central limit order book that's all on chain. Right. I haven't seen that. And Mango, you know, Mango Market uses Project Serum, and they just, oh. you know, offer this ability to... Uh, you know, to take loans, you know, you can five X or 10 X on a, a leverage. And if you get, uh, if your collateral is below a certain value of what you borrowed, you get liquidated. Right. Whereas Orca is kind of just like a traditional liquidity pool where you don't really interact with any central limit order book whatsoever. You just see a pool. And if you want to exchange between those two currencies, you do it. Right. It's just more or less a swap function with a pool behind it. Yeah. And probably some some element of local functionality if you hold their token. Yeah, maybe. I, I haven't know, really I've, gotten, yeah, gotten that really far into work. I've just been on their site a couple times. Yeah. Um, yeah, so so this just Radium and Serum and Solana, how this works and this ecosystem and where it's taking off to me has just been one of the most wild rides um, just watching develop. And um, it didn't really click to me how cryptocurrencies were going to work together until Todd originally gave me this sort of the spiel we just got and uh, it changed the way I thought about cryptocurrency a lot because it made me realize what you were saying earlier, Max of like, they managed to build cooperative, like a cooperative game theory system, which that's a pretty big deal because if you think about that of each of those currencies, this is just, is just like a flow of value in one direction. And then if you can take that value um, and take a couple other projects and, you know, the entry point of one, is the exit point of another and you kind of loop those together, then more or less what you build is a feedback loop and you build um, what um, oftentimes Max, you and I use to describe, uh, you know, it's like social or, or, or community-based things, which is like an engine. It has the ability to be self-propagating um, and to maybe not go to infinity because that's not actually a realistic thing, but it has enough of a stability or a self-maintaining reg regulating um, structure that you can think more long-term with it and value can be 
shared by users and new projects built on top of it. And I think that idea in itself is one of the most profound ideas in crypto right now. And I think we're only at the very, very beginning of deeply understanding it. And uh, this example is to me the clearest and best example of what's possible. Um, and even then, I still think we're underestimating what's possible. That's exactly how I felt when I first started, got into crypto eight months ago. <laughs> yeah, because you, I, you, you really jumped head first in like you, like one week of like, just what are the basic ideas? And then like a week or two later, you're like, all right. And then you started teaching me all this sort of stuff you're finding. Um, well, it's like, weird. it was like, really I quick. Was, I was thinking like, cause I always thought like old school, like, you know, nothing's, everyone wants to be top dog. No one wants to work with each other. There's what's an ecosystem. You know what I mean? Like, what does that right. even mean? And then, like, you kind of just, like, look at these projects over and over again. You think, like, how does this work? How does this operate? And you're like, oh, man, Serum needs somebody to sell them Serum with their trade fees. How are they going to get that if there's no market there? Well, they need a pretty robust automatic market maker to use, and they need someone to use it on the central limit order book. Well, maybe that's why radiums exist in the first place, right? You kind of get all these, like, weird theories about how this system works. And, like, you know, everyone's kind of building off of each other in a symbiotic relationship to build this giant, you know, decentralized on-chain ability to create and exchange tokens. Mm -hmm. And like, like I said, like so, no one needs to use project serum with Solana, right? There could be other projects built on like you utilize Solana for, and no one needs to use radium to use project serum, right? You could be trading with an actual individual or another liquidity automatic market maker. You don't know. Right, that's a good point. People are choosing to do do this because there's a, a, a clear benefit um, to to each of the individual, um, you know, members. I guess right in the in the ecosystem or the marketplace. So the the thing that I I find really interesting, and I'm like I'm obviously very like, I think Radium's great. I, I'm very I'm obviously a big fan of of Solana, and, and mostly just trying to like get out like you know what's happening here and why is it happening and yeah. and the thing that's confusing to me is like why haven't we seen something and maybe maybe this does exist and i'm just again uh, not aware of it but like why haven't we seen the equivalent of this in traditional markets like why is this why does this seem like it's a more crypto native um phenomenon i think this like already exists in traditional markets I think there's like, if you think about radium, like what is radium, right? It just puts a bunch of buy and a bunch of sell limits very fast. And it reacts to the, how the market changes and the wave goes up and down. Right. Right. It's just, it's more or less just like a trading bot. It just isn't attached to a huge slew of decentralized capital. There's probably someone doing liquidity providing in this way. Well, well, let me let me put it in this context, right? If I'm a centralized business, like, in, and I'm Radium, let's say I'm Radium, the centralized business version. This is the alternate universe where DeFi never happened; it's all centralized finance. Mm -hmm. um, I want to own Serum. I want to have or or create my own uh, order book. That people are using. I would want to probably create as much of a walled garden as possible, so no one is ever leaving my. Um, ecosystem to benefit another person, right? Because mm -hmm. then I have complete control. I can make sure that 
you know, I'm not sharing any of this revenue with anyone. Why the hell would I do that? I'm going to keep it all for myself. Like that's more or less the gen, you know, the general attitude and approach with a centralized business. Um, and maybe that is the right approach. Maybe that does make you more money. Uh, and it's maybe that in crypto, uh, it's just too much work to build all the building blocks yourself. And it's just more efficient to keep the velocity and allowed for like sharing of, 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 building blocks, so to speak. Um, I, I just, that's my question is like, I, like it's, I see there's a clear incentive in traditional markets for centralization and, and ownership. And, and then in, in, in DeFi and, and in crypto, there's a clear incentivization um, for the opposite. And that's really cool, but I actually, it's not clear to me why. Well, if you think about it, think about it like this, like company A, like if you're Gillette, you want to make as much money as possible, but do you want to really want to own Coca-Cola? Like, do you really want to get into owning another business and starting up another factory and hiring a whole new crew and extra specialties and expanding into another market when there's already, you know, people in that market who work just as good? Or if you're an employee, right? Or employer, do you really want to hire on 30 new employees for a new job when you can just hire a contractor? Sometimes it's just not worth owning everything. It's more expensive than, True. you know, just like with, especially with the limited resources of cryptocurrencies, right? I'm sure the reading team's only so big. They can't operate and change every project. They want other people working on projects too. Like I said, I think it's more of a, you know, all the ships rise, a rising tide raises all ships. So you have other people, you know, working on these projects as well. And then you kind of, you know, facilitate their access to the to the product. So, so you here's another thought there that maybe is relevant. I'm not really sure it might be uh, the idea of a, why, why isn't this happening in the central uh, land? I think my guess would be two reasons in the centralized land. One is regulation. So it's like, okay, that product is in traditional markets cannot be available to everybody. So who is it available to and what regulation needs to be done for that? And then two how much are you just now voicing the paradigm shift of what a traditional bank or finance institution think about a product this way? Or would they try to think about capitalizing on the existing customer they have and the data and other aspects of the business than this particular approach? Like, is this just a new novel approach that since the individual user's data and customer is an, is an anonymous piece, then this is kind of the only reasonable place to develop? Possibly. I think what I've observed is there's no, uh, it's, I think a lot of people over uh, assign logic to, to businesses and, and decisions. And it's really, it, it's more like a mindless kind of like a uh, single cell organism uh, where it's, it, its job is to get revenue and it then just does whatever it can to then right. find it. Right. Um, and it's, and it's a beautiful system in that regard uh, as well as it can be very damaging. Um, but uh, to speak to the, you know, just like it's nature, you know, I, I this is where, you know, I get a little bit confused because like I, I'd say the traditional finance makes sense that in the motivations for why it would, you know, choose to 
build something in house or acquire another company to, you know, or not to like you're say, saying, uh, Todd about like, it's just not worth it. You know, it's always about like, is there, is there more to gain here or more to lose here? Um, and it, it's, it's a very simple calculation in that regard. DeFi is, is fascinating. It's the most exciting thing in the world to me because I think the, the tenants of it are, are one of decentralization. And, and I really believe in that from a philosophical perspective. But then when we move into a more like pure market territory, like that preference or philosophy um, is going to be irrelevant. Like it really doesn't matter, you know, what anyone wants, whether they want to be decentralized or not. Like that is all going to get completely obliterated if the incentives are to stay centralized. And so what's fascinating to me is that what DeFi has more or less proven out is, is that the decentralization isn't just like a nice idea. There's actually enough market forces and incentives to actually support it in as a as a form of um I want to say form of an economy, but I'm not sure if that's entirely accurate. But anyways, it's supported by incentives, it seems. But it's not really clear. Like I guess the incentives are all so many, but then it's small that it's hard to pinpoint them and see them clearly. Whereas mm-hmm. in um a centralized, um, you know, marketplace, it's a little more obvious. Uh, but anyways, sorry for the rant. It's just really fascinating to me. And, and it's not clear to me what the answer is yet. I like to think of like utilizing, you know, DeFi or decentralized projects is the fact that everything's all the actions, usually the code is and all the transactions, it's public. You can find it on the blockchain. I like, I like that knowing you know, if I see a wallet, I can see what that wallet has done, what it's exchanged to. Everyone can. Nothing can be really hidden. That's kind of, you know, what I like about DeFi. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Same. I guess that's I, there's, the there's like, an amount of freedom that you can experience that's like you can't get anywhere else. It's wild. Yeah, it's truly, truly actually groundbreaking. And it's it's hard to conceptualize harder to even try to like predict or wrap your head around in a, in a, like what's the future look like. But um, what's interesting is that I'm, I really do think just echoing what you guys are saying that the idea of what a decentralized system actually does is not something we understand fully. Uh, I, I think we're going to see, a lot of things be a lot of problems that we'd ever realized were correlated with centralization go away. And then also a whole slew of new and different problems correlated with uh, decentralization pop up Um, that, I mean, we should do an entire episode about what the potential pitfalls of the future look like, because there are so many dark alleys for crypto, not as a whole, but as projects and communities and, you know, capital plus community is kind of like the magic sauce to make something grow. Uh, that doesn't mean that the thing you're trying to grow is good or healthy or productive or inclusive or anything, any value anyone could, could bestow upon it. So, um, it's well, a yeah, wild it's so future funny. we're looking at. Yeah, it's so funny. I feel like you know what I feel like. You ever see those like magazine covers and like from 1920? Like, what's 2000 going to look like? And they show you like flying saucer cars and stuff. Like, I feel like that's where we're at with DeFi. Like, 
everything we're kind of predicting right now, we could be so far off. Yeah, we likely just, will be. You, yeah. yeah, you just don't know where technology is going to take you at this point. We just started being able to build projects on top of each other in a synergistic fashion, like for stuff that's been existent forever. Right. For in the centralized world. So it's just a very interesting. Uh, the roads seem uh, like they can diverge so fast and so, you know, so far. Well, I, it's 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 interesting that all of this is coming at the the cultural time that it is because I think there's a decent amount of camaraderie that comes from a sentiment of feeling left behind or ignored by the existing or the old system, the traditional financial system, um, and that's been kind of an interesting thing to see grow and develop throughout the space. I'm curious to see how long that lasts and if that does last, or if it goes the route of something like YouTube, which started so garage-like and then became a cultural behemoth and all the participants in it had game theoried it so hard it was a very very different thing today than it is uh when it first came out so like that's the part of crypto that scares me but i also think is pretty exciting is does decentralization actually address those issues we always see these like little social catalysts right like the recession of 2008, if you really want to go back and remember what that was like, uh, during Corona, me and my wife, we watched uh, Young Jeezy's uh, I Put On For My City. And if you watch that video, it like just goes, takes you back to 2009 when like everyone lost their jobs and everyone lost their houses. And, you know, everyone you knew who owned a business just couldn't get a loan to pay their employees. So they had to just stop their business entirely. Yep. You just like remind you of like, this is what started Bitcoin. Like everyone right. in the middle class who, you know, listened and did what they were told to do and said everything was going to be okay and we're all going to be taken care of as long as you work hard, like they got screwed over, you know? And then you got this whole like this other catalyst, the second one coming with this GameStop theory, like everyone's thinking, you know, what happened with this giant short squeeze and we got screwed over? So you're seeing like these centralized, you know, chess pieces being moved around strategically. People feel like they're not being treated fairly. Yeah, they're so. being challenged. It's it's a really interesting cultural shift. Uh, and now to see that there's a industry that can actually organize and help facilitate change in that regard, I hope is a positive force and whatever whatever means that that takes. I don't think even trying to prescribe any version of influence uh, is a good idea there. Just that that it is a positive influence. Hopefully, it's more voices being active in the world conversation, uh, not fewer voices. I think ultimately, uh, but we'll see. We'll see. It really uh, on a deep level, the culture seems to be going a really progressive direction um, in the context of opportunity and uh, like big picture, long term thinking, as well as dumb NFT you know badger badger art uh you know all of it's happening all of it's happening i uh, love to see the full spectrum i'm having a great time it's <laughs> a wild ride uh do you guys have anything else i don't think i have any other questions or thoughts here no I, wow. todd this has been awesome i'm really glad you came on to explain this stuff i i understood uh pieces of it uh, enough to be dangerous and to lose all my money maybe, but uh, <laughs> I'm really glad you uh, taught me quite a bit more. So well, thank you. I feel like I, I was able to learn this because I just 
literally got into crypto uh, three weeks before Radium started. And I just kind of got to see it from a totally new perspective of everything was new. I didn't know what was old and I didn't know what was new. And I didn't know why, you know, certain advancements were important, why they, you know, why they were. So like you kind of like mm-hmm. look at everything from a very like 10,000 foot, like explain it like you would to like a five-year-old. How does this work? And then you kind of like it all clicked one day. <laughs> maybe it doesn't. Maybe That's I don't know what I'm amazing. talking about at all. Maybe someone's going to listen to this and be like, man, this dude's an idiot. <laughs> if they are well, please smarter tell than me. us yeah they duped me all everybody's duped me in this conversation then uh if 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 that is in fact the case please reach out and we will have you on the podcast and then todd will rap battle you and yep. whoever wins in the rap battle it's we're talking about crypto we're rapping about crypto but it is a rap battle so uh just so you know that that is the the challenge that's the smart contract that is open for uh for signing this is gonna... how we do <laughs> <laughs> all right for, thank for you. ten thousand soul <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah maybe that's what the show will turn into it's no longer about like talking about crypto we just have two people in the crypto space have beef and they just rap out of each other on the show i love this idea there you Todd, go you signed up you have no choice <laughs> i'm in i'll all be right. a regular <laughs> All right. Thank you, guys. Great episode this week. Thanks, Max. And thanks to our guest, Todd, a.k.a. T-Nuts, a.k.a. a lot of other things uh, <laughs> that will maybe we will learn about another day. Uh, but for now, thank you all and uh, see you later. <laughs>